ancient technologies, time travel, anti-gravity, UFOs, and alien contact. Can you think about a more fascinating episode than what we have for you today? We have my friend, Native American elder, David Lombert Senapas, who is a star teachings archivist. He was trained by his elders to bring these teachings to the non-natives for the first time in history. So if you listen to his stuff, you know that you are in for a treat. Uh, We obviously dive down the rabbit hole in this one. He's been sharing more and more. Uh, We talk about him speaking at the New Living Expo, which he recently did with Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti. And as I said, I was in Sedona trying to figure out if this stuff was for real. And listening to Clifford and David speak in private was the most fascinating conversation I have ever heard by far. And they were both able to um, find and agree on the same things in uh, ufology, if that's what you call it, aliens, uh, ancient civilizations. That was true. That was baloney. They were right on the same page in two different cultures. So it's one of the reasons why I do think what he's sharing is legit and uh, all of the incredible research I've had to do along the way. Um, We talk about Richard Feynman. Uh, David's a mathematician. The number 137, the balloon project. David has put balloons into outer space, 800,000, well, maybe not outer space, but 800,000 feet. We talk about uh, Solomon's Temple. We talk about time fissures versus portals and time tra- travel. The work of Graham Hancock, the Philadelphia Experiment, Bob Lazar and UFOs, canceling magnetic fields and anti-gravity. Um, we talk about a new planetary energy called Phalon, Element 115, the zoo hypothesis, um, and so much more. So this is a really fascinating episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please share it. Take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. Let me know where you're listening. Leave a review in iTunes. It all helps immensely. And thank you so much to all my patrons. If you want to support financially, go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and just toss a buck in the bucket. It helps immensely. I want to thank Oliver Hart for uh, doing that. So thank you so much, Oliver. I really appreciate it. Uh, it helps. It helps so much. Um, David Lombert and I and some of the others are going to go to London, England for the solstice. June 19th, we are going to go to Stonehenge. We're just waiting on David's passport right now. Um, So hopefully that comes through, but we are going to London, England. So anybody out there in the England area, the UK, if you want to meet us in person, we're going to be doing some talks and teachings. We're going to be going to Stonehenge to do some measurements. So make sure if you know anybody in England and wants to meet up in person, hit me up, send me an email, matt at zenathlete.com. Let me know if you're going to be there and would, would love to see you in person. Please support David's work. He talks about the resonator. We've been fundraising for his projects and everything we've ever been able to fundraise for him has worked the biodome in north carolina is a very fascinating project the resonator a very fascinating project and um, what he was told by his elders is that these technologies are for all of community so to give those technologies to the non-natives you need first community which we have been trying to build for years i'm only uh, new to the work so a couple years but he's been five years in maine and i'm sharing these teachings and as well that these teachings are for all people so for all communities of the world and um, we just need the the stuff to to build them the prototypes and get them out there so if you're interested and you're fascinated um, check out his work look a little bit deeper do your own research Um, we've had some engineers and some scientists come and meet him and check him out and they as far as I've seen nobody's left saying, hey, this isn't for real. They um, just end up getting more and more evolved because the engineering and the math checks out. So, uh, yeah, dive deeper. Support if you can. Go to, uh, what is it, David L. Senapass, uh, paypal.me 
forward slash David L. Senapass. Support his work because he's a truly extraordinary human being. Um, I want to thank my podcast sponsor, the Himalaya Podcast app. They are free, easy to use. They're an awesome way to listen to podcasts. What I like to do is I like to go to 1.25. I create my playlist, which you can do on Himalaya, and you can do multiple episodes of multiple different shows. You can communicate with other podcast users, so it's a fantastic way to listen to podcasts, to explore new podcasts, to find new episodes that are amazing. You get curated playlists and suggestions and all kinds of great stuff. So when you're over there, uh, make sure you give the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show a follow, and you can find them on the App Store, H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. So I think that wraps it up. Go to the email list, sign up for that. There's a free Lucid Dreaming if you go forward slash Lucid Dreaming. Oh, and for those of you guys who are inquiring about coaching, if you are really serious about leveling up, if you want to move towards more your soul calling, your life purpose, you don't know what that is and you want to uncover that or you want to move towards peak performance, basically the work that I've done and these programs I've created are with hundreds of conversations literally and work with hundreds of people to help them even if you have no idea what it is that you want to do to be able to formulate that soul's calling that purpose and give you a plan to execute and all of the things from peak performance spirituality consciousness um, if you put in the work you're going to find tremendous results so whether you're a peak performer or you're really serious about living um, and uncovering your life purpose and making a life doing that hit me up at mattbaylair.com forward slash coaching and I'm happy to help you out Uh, for those of you guys who are in organizations and you're entrepreneurs and you want to do some training whether in peak performance consciousness mindset mindfulness in the workplace team synergy all of that stuff applies just make an inquiry on the website as well matt at zenathlete.com and I will happily help you out so I think that is it Uh, let's wrap it up by coming to a state of peace and coherence so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, energy, personal empowerment, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Native American elder of the Mi'kmaq, David Lone Bear Senapass. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest needs no introduction. He's my friend. He is a scientist, a mathematician, and a Native American elder of the Mi'kmaq people. Welcome back to the show, David Lone Bear Senapass. Hello. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing great. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. How is the weather in Canada? It's been pretty rainy where I am. Uh, We got a little glimpse of uh, sun today and uh, a sun maybe like a couple days ago and everybody lost their mind, Uh, but -hmm. we're back to cloudy so hopefully hopefully we'll get a little bit more what about you yeah we got sun today it's been misting off and on here a little bit of rain but rain brings the flowers so it's true it's true so i see you're in your work in overalls i know you've been um doing a lot of work you've had a little bit of time and you just recently spoke at uh was it the new life expo yes and that was with Clifford Mahuti in San Diego. And then I, there's a lot of people there like Graham Hancock and a lot of who's who of uh, just ancient civilizations and uh, ETs and disclosure and things like that. So um, where do you want to begin today? Do you want to start with uh, some of the stuff that you're working on or do you want to talk about uh, uh, the New Living Expo a little bit? Let's talk about the New Living Expo. Uh, that was pretty exciting. A lot of um, 
um, thousands of people showed up. Uh, people are really interested in what we're doing. Um, a lot of uh, the people that are, are in what we're doing was there. And then I didn't get to hear many, many spoke because I said was so busy, but um, I was glad to meet some of you guys out there that um, there was uh, for some, some reason anxious to meet me. So I just want to uh, put a shout out to everybody out there that um, was out there. Hello. So I, I think it was really great. And I think that um, uh, things like that, we should have more because um, a lot of the information is coming you know, slowly through these um, uh, um, menus that's coming through. And, and it's important that um, we get the word out there somehow. So I think that's really good. Right. And you got to catch up a little bit with uh, Clifford Mahoudi, who ideally we're going to get both of you on the podcast. So did you guys speak together or was it separate talks? Um, yeah, I don't think he, it was separate. Yeah. We had, uh, we had uh, a scheduling problem. We had to leave a day early, so I didn't get a chance to hear him speak, but he spoke uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So, and uh, hopefully that we'll be talking here in the next uh, couple of days with him. Ooh. Right on. Nice. Yep. Yeah. And then now you're going to start a follow-up series with, um, the founder, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> what do you want to talk about now? You want to talk about what you're working on? Sure. Um, I've been, um, not frantically working. I've been working on a lot of the technologies out there that, uh, that we've been talking about. Um, some of the uh, resonators and, um, all that, uh, technology and it's it's a uh, it's a uh, hard work it's a uh, really tedious work because a lot of the work is micro work so you have to be really small um i, I wish it was like building a house i would have the house built but um, right now that I, we are building a uh, working resonator that's eight feet tall um it's going to be um, mostly copper and uh, we have almost that in the completion of I'm going to work some of the kinks. Uh, right now, I'm working on electronics and um, the capacitors and all the things that make it work. So I'm really excited about that. That's a lot of um, hard work. So do you want to, for people who haven't really explored the resonator, when it's functioning and it works, what, what will it produce? Well, there's a couple of uh, things it's going to do. Uh, the byproducts, electricity, of course. Uh, uh, it, it produces uh, an amperage of electricity out of it, so uh, you can harvest it if you wanted to, uh, to run a uh, part of a house or, or, or is it uh, or a computer or lights or something. Um, it's been um, just the resonators itself uh, because I built them so uh, active now that um, they, they even with my voice. Uh, down there that is uh, resonating electricity from my voice like a speaker so uh, I haven't even put that outside yet so can you imagine when it goes outside so each one of those um, resonators there's 62 of them on a, a resonator um, each one of them uh, resonates nine volts each uh, right now I've been getting a volt and a half of just the voice so my voice and the movement in the basement so um, that's part of the um, benefits of electricity, but it also makes a magnetic field. Uh, that magnetic field goes out, well, I'm figuring out uh, this one here. I said it would go out 15, 20 feet. I've been measuring 30 to 48 feet, maybe a little bit more at 60, depending on um, if I have them all up and running. So it's uh, coming up with a pretty good field, um, a field that I can de detect. 
that field um, is resonance of your body and as it matches the same resonance of, of your magnetic field so it matches so you're kind of in harmony with this thing so and um, I haven't got all them kinks out quite yet because I haven't put it outside uh, a lot of it is just uh, getting things fine-tuned had to real build a couple of things on it but uh, it's working uh, it's working just sitting in the basement so I'm pretty excited excited about that uh, since I guess several nights ago, I heard something in the basement. I couldn't figure out what it was. <clears throat> so after after working the, the day, I went down there, and the uh, the resonator was on. It was raining outside. It was raining pretty heavy. So off the the magnetic fields off the um, raindrops, it was building up a static charge in the resonator itself. So that, that's not even the rain. That's uh, it's um, just picking up a magnetic field. So um, I think that. The extra work because right now I'm, I'm six months behind on the on the development of this. Of course, I'm under budget and and not under budget. I'm over budget <laughs> and uh, still trying to work it so it's um, it's uh, feasible. So, but uh, what, what the results now is like it's way beyond my expectations. What's going to do? <laughs> so, and a lot of it is just um, a lot of the parts that I just machine them right down to one thousandth of an inch. My um, original wafer that I was using was probably a three-eighths wafer of, um, of uh, corks and uh, um, um, mixed up with, with a resin. So I got that down to almost a paper-thin resin now. So it, it, it's uh, and there's about uh, 90 of them in a in a um, a, um, a little cube. And that little cube uh, is like a capacitor in the resonator. So it's a capacitor and a um, thing that makes electricity, discharges electricity every, uh, I thought it was going to be every three seconds, now it's every uh, one-tenth of a second. So that was, that's really good. I'm, I'm really happy with that result. So I've been working on it as, as much as I can work on it and because I'm traveling. You can hear my voice. I've been speaking quite a lot too. So, but um, I'm excited about it and probably within a week we should have this running. So, and I'll make sure that uh, you're the first to see it. So. Sweet. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, so, okay, so let's say this thing is made, right? Uh, what would be the ideal situation for the planet? What would it do? So let's say this thing's made and I can get one from you. I put it in my house and I could, I could essentially power the electronics in my house, maybe power my house. And then when people are talking EMF, magnetic fields, things like this, and, and you know, the biodome, we've talked about that, that creates an inverse magnetic field. Yes. And so it, it puts your body in resonance. It kind of like matches to nature. Like if you go out in the forest, you're, you're naturally in resonance. Is that essentially what it does? Can you explain that from like a scientific level? Well, with all the, hang on. With, with all the data that I, I was amazed with some of the um, results of it because I was expecting at least uh, I can um, power a small house from this, uh, but uh, with the technology I have and everything, right now that <clears throat> I was doing 120 volts every uh, eight seconds. So that's sitting in the basement. Uh, so often is working off that magnetic field off the concrete and whatever it's around. So it's acting like a um, a tree, uh, a tree has a magnetic field around it too. And it's kind of acting like that. It's, um, it's taking um, part of that field from the ground itself and, and converting that into that uh, inverse field, <laughs> like, like the tree itself. And, and I, I was pretty amazed because 
Wow, I didn't expect that. As a scientist, you know, you you, you really want that um, uh, to be uh, calculable, but it's way beyond what I calculated. It's probably, the, I, I calculated at least, I was gonna probably about 75% of that peel that could use. I'm up to 182% of that peel that could use. And so to 200, that's really good. Um, so yes, uh, you, possibilities if you can power a whole house just from the eight foot one. I thought you're going to need four of these things, but now it's, you only you probably need one and in some sort of way to store the, uh, some electricity. So on a, on a rainy, well, the last few days it was um, pretty misty and rainy, and I'm still getting a charge off it without sun. So the sun has uh, the sun has um, there's a thing inside the um, resonator itself that takes heat. And converts that into a um, electrical field, and then we can power uh, uh, some of the electronics off that too. So um, right now, that I had to take it back, and because it was uh, producing a lot of amperage, I ended up um, trying to uh, bring it down a little bit. But when I did that, everything just went back up, and I was trying to figure out what went on. And it's now it's acting like a um, a capacitor, the whole thing, and um, and um, now I had to just change some things inside so I can harness all the energy of, of the thing. So, and I was really, like I said, I'm excited about why I'm on today. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Well, you've been talking about this thing for a while, and um, you know, it's interesting because some of the stuff you talk about is pretty mind blowing. Um, but as I've said before, everything you've, you've built from you're taking the schematics from the ancient copper scrolls, your elders gave to you. And so you said it's more like uh, information and like uh, what blueprints, correct? Yes. And so you're doing the mathematics and that creates the, the object. So one of the things that is in physical existence is the biodome. Um, it's not fully finished, but that creates an inverse magnetic field. Then it is up in North Carolina. You have sent balloons to outer space 800,000 feet up, and you would like to put one beside the space station just to say, hey, you don't need to spend $2 million to go to space to get information. You could actually do it this way. Yes. Correct? Yes. And then the sun house. Now, can you describe the sun house and what that does exactly? Because that also works. Yes, um, the sun house is actually in existence. Uh, I built it for um, an individual and, and it works. What it does is uh, most sun houses uh, take the, the harness, the, um, the light that comes through and it comes at a certain angle, hits your plant, uh, gives your plant life. Uh, this is, um, we made it a, a certain way so it will come in with this, uh, at a 37 degree angle, matches the magnetic field of the earth and bend that magnetic field just, just a little bit and harness that into a magnetic waveform inside the thing. So you're getting part of the benefits of the sun and magnetic field. And it's a, it's a, it's a thermal um, sun house. So uh, if you uh, wanted to produce power from it, uh, there's um, certain uh, generators that I invented uh, many years ago that you can put on top of the sun house and then take electricity out of it or run electricity for the sun house. <laughs> and um, that's all set in place to do. Haven't got to that point yet, but the, 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 the sun house itself, it, it works. And it works at that 37 degree angle that picks up that magnetic field and they get um, tomatoes like this, like that. So oh, it, it works even on the, I guess um, we had like a 
a 10 below zero day and it was like 64 degrees in there without even the clouds so it, was, it works really good it's interesting that you say the uh the number 37 when you were speaking i was trying to find the quote um and i I think it, oh, there it is. Um, so it was by physicist Richard Feynman, who's also a mathematician, and he's talking about the number 137. He said, uh, you might say the hand of God wrote that number. So is yeah. 137 or 1 over 37 or 37 degrees, can you explain that for mathematic terms? Like, what is he referring to there? What does he mean? Well, uh, say that you drop something from a mile up and it hits the ground. Um, uh, because of the Earth's rotation, um, and because of the way we are lined up in the galaxy and everything else, that bounce will be off at least 37 degree angle from half of that. That energy will go half up, 37 degrees, 37 degrees, 37 degrees. <clears throat> that, that is um, a constant in the universe. Is that, um, it all matches up. Uh, you shoot a bullet uh, and, of course, the gravity is going to take it. And whatever the uh, gravity is a constant. And you can measure gravity as a constant, 0 0.0037.000. And what that is is that um, the Picanacci theory is the same thing. That uh, the spiral that's going in is 37 degrees. And, uh, the, all, all life, when they grow um, seeds, they go at 37 degrees. Uh, time, the continuum, the lapse of time. Uh, if you travel 37 degrees into it, that's right beside yourself. You can lapse time. You can go in and out of time. Um, so 37 uh, divided into uh, uh, 7 million, you come up with a property of uh, wavelengths. Uh, I mean, you just can keep going on and on and on. That's a, that's, a, uh, that's a number I use quite a lot. Interesting. Okay, so I want to backtrack a little bit because my mind went a little bit blank when you said the 37 because I wanted you to touch on that and find the quote. But with the sun house built, what does it do exactly? What's, what, is it, what, is it, what, it, what happens? Well, <clears throat> because everything that's going on in the world, pollution and all the different things out there, it's really hard to be growing things natural because you have um, pesticides, you have all the leakage into the water and everything else. But it gets into our, our food sources and everything like that. But um, if you can harness a magnetic field, um, because different fields on the poisons and different, uh, different uh, have different signatures to them, that you can almost uh, leach out all the different poisons and, and increase the DNA flow into them the tomato or potato or carrot by that peel. So you're really uh, taking the stress off the planet itself and uh, letting it uh, grow free in, in a magnetic peel. It's like uh, growing a tomato into space, the growing tomato under the ground. Uh, in space, uh, the tomato is going to grow almost like perfectly round, but here it matches our magnetic peel. If you cut the tomato in two, it's going to give you a diagram of the magnetic fields of the earth. And it looks like the apples and all, and everything has that. This is the same as what's going on uh, with the magnetic field when you start to grow some. You kind of give it um, uh, less stress to grow and more of the, uh, the, um, the poisons, all the different things in there uh, won't follow that flow because they're not part of the natural selection of uh, nature. So, would the result be growing faster, bigger, with more nutrients? Yes. That so sounds good. What, what slows most of um, 
plant life down is because of stress of weather, stress of whatever it is. Um, do you realize you can have a big, uh, I am saying tomatoes and have uh, less nutrients in it because they use uh, fertilizer to make it grow because they're leaving more of the magnetic pillow. But if you do it right, you can grow big and still keep the nutrients in it. It'd be still like the smaller ones would be um, a lot more nutrients, but you can have those a little bit bigger because it, nature doesn't understand. It's like, okay, you know, it's, it's growing in a free magnetic field environment. So I'm going to grow that thing big with nutrients. But with the fertilizers, it doesn't do that. It just grows them fast and leaves and strains out the nutrients out of the thing. So you have a big tomato, but not very much nutrients. Right. And that seems to see, be a big concern with people today with uh, Monsanto and all the different things, uh, genetically modified foods. How do we eat healthy? You know, what, what, what is really a balanced diet? You know, some people are cutting out um, dairy. Some people are cutting out meat. Some people are cutting out everything. Some people are going fruitarian. But the challenge even then is when our food is getting genetically modified to the core, we don't even know um, how nutrient dense it is and how important it is to get those nutrients. So um, I'm wondering if you maybe comment that. And also, I think you said before that the resonator also creates a field that's har like harmonious for growing vegetables as well. And, and yes. your, mo you, your mother had one? Is that true? We had one um, many years ago. Uh, I made it. It was a pretty primitive one. I think it was a six-foot one. And it only had 21 strings on it. Um, but we had um, cucumbers and that looked like zucchinis. <laughs> yeah. And in um, the garden grew. We used it for years, and people um, because it's like a wind harp because it made a noise, uh, but it was made it made a nice noise. Uh, but people used to come by and uh, pray to it. We couldn't. My dad says um, uh, he comes by and say, "Hey, David, somebody's praying to you. Your um, resonator out there." And I'm looking at about four people standing in their garden praying to this thing uh, because it, it, it makes it, it makes you feel good when you're around it. Uh, because you're in, um, you're in more in the resonance. It's like being happy. It's, it's um, and I, I would call it a natural spiritual drug field. <laughs> right. And so, you know, you know, my friend uh, Jason Stiles built some pretty funky and incredible um, pyramids, um, and they create a field. And I remember when I first talked to you, you said you have to be able to measure it with a device. If they're talking about EMF, if you're talking about all these different things, what you were taught is it will, there's only one energy and it's electricity on the earth, correct? Yeah. So you have to be able to have a measurement. And that mirror behind you, uh, I was at your house and I had every single thing from going to a festival and being on the internet and just taking everything I could for vibrational devices. And you're like, all right, here, give me it. And you would measure it. It would be whether it be a necklace or whatever the case is. And you're like, I can't get a measurement um, just so you know, but I'll show you the difference. Give me one of my uh, necklaces. And you handed me one of the necklaces you make. It's an Atlantis eye and things like that. And you put the same device to it and it created a magnetic field. And this is the vibrational jewelry you make. Also, when I came for the first trip, that mirror behind you has the mylar on it and um, it creates a field in your house um, that you had to refine because it blew out your microwave. Um, but that field is actually what's going to put you in, let's say, um, people will sometimes take nootropics so they want to feel clear-headed or, or they'll go to float tanks or they'll go to different things. So is the idea that when you're in this field, you're going to be a little bit more clear-minded, a little bit more focused in, 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 a, in an actual tangible way? Yes. Um, a lot of things that, that divert our mind to clear thought. You know, we use meditation a lot. Um, nothing wrong with meditation. You know, a lot of people have benefits of that, but most people can't uh, meditate. 
um, um, they, they need some help. Uh, sometimes they go to a peaceful spot on a mountain, maybe by the ocean, uh, maybe that, and it has, and they can uh, relate to that feel. Uh, the, the, um, uh, the resonators will give us that uh, same uh, relaxation or that feel uh, that we're in a say, more of a stasis feel. The stasis feel is more of a, uh, a something that um, uh, keeps you in resonance of the, of, of the earth. So, and like I said, all the devices I use is is I, it runs on electricity, of course, and usually that usually this is what I use to measure magnetic fields with, and you know. I'm not saying it, um, it doesn't work, but most of the studies I've done on uh, people growing vegetables and using pyramids, <clears throat> I found in the research that it's more the people that put out that magnetic field for the vegetables that makes the vegetables grow. Do you understand that? No. Um, your, your, your magnetic field around you. Uh, there's no difference between a, your magnetic field and that mayor's magnetic field. Some people are more caring. Uh, they they're in residence of that peel. They could be. They could make flowers grow uh, faster yeah? because you 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 have electricity, same as me. Mm. So and my my uh, technology that I use is, is from copper scrolls. is written thousands of years ago. Just like it says that we all magnetic peels. So so and, with this with this, what it makes me think about is um, cymatic sacred geometry and the different Hertz levels, you know, that they you put cymatics and you can look it up and there's certain frequencies like 428 uh, or 528 432. Um, there's a bunch of other ones like 936, I think, and it, it goes to a certain frequency. Do you tune them to certain frequency or is it one that matches the field or, or what do you think of all that? As, as humans, of course, we want to um, take those frequencies and try to make something of those frequencies. That's only one of uh, 50,000 frequencies of uh, what we, we're doing. Of, uh, they're just in the wavelength. Uh, you look at the uh, rainbow, that's a frequency. Uh, so we use the different hertz, of course, but the universe itself, uh, it has millions and millions of frequencies out there that we don't even know about. Uh, the, there's lower than lower frequencies that we're just... Uh, happening upon now so and i can measure to a certain point but th there's uh, beyond my measurements you know there's higher and lower i can measure everything between but given those low frequencies they're so far apart some of the frequencies are like 20 years apart we can't measure those so i don't know i mean uh, but the electricity they come from somewhere so them fields originate from somewhere so that's to me that's um things that I don't know about. Hmm, interesting. Well, I, I have a lot of questions that are, that are crossing my mind, but I want to ask you, is there anything else that you want to share about the resonator and, and what it can do? Like how can people potentially get one and, and the, the uses for their house or anything you want to share about it before we move on? Cause I know there's a lot um, of topics we can cover um, today. Uh, I put a lot of time into this thing. Um, and it is a thing. It's a machine. I don't know right now that if you can purchase one uh, only because of them of um I'm putting all that time into one and then I'm, I'm up to about a year and a half into this thing so I think I've got to work more into uh, working some of the kinks out of it and making more um, uh, some of the um, technology more available uh, because right now 
just one to, to this wafer, and that takes you about uh, almost three months to make. There's 62 of these things on this thing. So yeah, I think a lot of it's just uh, in the works. And, and uh, like I said, I'm gonna have it um, online and you can see it working. Um, and I think that one in North Carolina, is, uh, I think that if you can visit that one to see what that one really does, uh, go and visit that one, so yeah. Okay, so basically in the prototype phase, needing to um, you know refine it, and then ideally we can make it so you don't specifically have to build every single one because even yes. your mirror was about you know yeah. you know ten hours a day for a week at least, and uh, doing this again with literally zero budget, um, traveling a lot, speaking um, all over the place, and I know how hard you work because I'm constantly just watching where you go and, and what you're doing. So um, definitely financial support will help, and time will help. Uh, to make it a little bit easier, bring it to people a little bit faster. Um, but when I'm talking to people, they always want to see the end product first and then they want the business plan and then they want to own it, but they can't own it. You, um, your elders told you that you're um, allowed to share this technology to community, but for it has to be for all people. So there can't be foreign ownership just in case uh, somebody um, takes it. There could be profit, you know, as far as when the business grows in the sense of getting them to all people, but they can't own it and influence it. Is that accurate? It is very accurate, yeah. Uh, well, one thing about this resonator is that, um, um, because I used to, I, I built them before, uh, but I never built them so exact before. Um, I can build one for like $10,000 and it will produce enough energy for your house. But I've never had one work <laughs> in the basement itself without the, the wind and all that other stuff. Uh, this is just working off a magnetic field of the, of the um, the basement and sound so but uh, I think that this one here is um, uh, it was, it was good to do to get all the uh, other things that I wasn't really sure about uh, to working uh, but it's um, I think in, in the next um, couple months that uh, we are we are talking with uh, several other organizations and different uh, people on how to uh, uh, kind of well, I'll say this part in these building, you build that part. This part in these building, you build that part. And uh, we can integrate all that into one resonator, and uh, that would be a lot easier instead of me working uh, almost a year and a half on one. So, and we can put them together faster. So, and uh, like I said, I'm really excited about it because I was just blown away. This thing just sitting in the basement and it's making a magnetic field. I, I didn't expect that. That's, that, 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 that's a big benefit of, um, of, of that uh, resonator. So. Hmm. That's amazing. And so, well, what I want to talk about before I move on that I just remember is, you know, I ask you a lot of questions about health. You know, I want to have optimal health. And I think water as well as food, you know, is really important. And our water seems to be getting all messed up. And do you want to talk or share a little bit about this water device, this filter? Yeah. Um, I haven't really had a chance to get the drawing board. Uh, um, there's a, a system where you can buy water filters up there and it will take out most of the contaminants. I say most of the contaminants. Uh, I've been looking online on water filters and, and some of them are pretty good. But what happens is that the small plastics, uh, the, a lot of the heavy minerals don't be filtered out of those because they're so small. Uh, if you think about what density is, the density is, uh, uh, say, the density of lead compared to the density of steel. Uh, it's 10 times different. 
So, so when you have something dense, the molecules are smaller, not bigger. Uh, when, they be, when they're smaller, it's hard to filter them through the, they go through the carbon filters, no problem. Uh, but you just, don't, you just don't see them or detectable because it's like one part per million. Still, that's not very good. So the, the water system that I developed a long time ago, the, well over 25 years ago, it takes, a, it takes out most of the contaminants through a magnetic, magnetic field and through a magnetic gen heat generation. And it compresses the water and puts it through a magnetic field. Of course, lead is a part of, it is a, a part of in a magnetic field, and it draws out most of the contaminants out there. So you have 99.9999.9, um, the water is going to be good. And it's going to um, reinduce re the magnetic field into it. Most um, um, filters don't do that. They just strain the water and break the magnetic field. Uh, water is like a, a um, uh, information device. Uh, if you add electricity to water, uh, the water is going to be charged, uh, actually charged. Uh, and, and it's going to take the electrons and point them a certain way. And then you can measure uh, where they're pointing for in, on the compass. Excuse me. I've been talking. My voice is gone. Where they're going. <clears throat> Um, if, if that happens, that means they will follow a magnetic field. And when they follow a magnetic field, you can induce a magnetic field into water. It's done a certain way, though, and um, take out that muscle contaminants. Um, and that would be almost immediately. So it won't be um, a filter. Usually you, gotta, you put a lot of water in, you get a little trickle out. It will be uh, about the same going in and out. It has a little lengthy tube process. Uh, but that's one of the, the methods of uh, purifying water. And this is there's no um, crazy um, um, technology here. Everything that we all have, it's just a matter of assembling it. Uh, and there's a um, uh, thermos. Uh, I think I, I can do it in a thermos too, and a straw that you can bring the straw with you. And uh, I haven't done it yet, uh, but you can go to a stream, take the straw, drink. The water and it would take most of the contaminants out of the water itself. Um, I wouldn't do that right yet until it's perfected, but that's what I've been working on. Interesting. Memory. memory. Uh, the magnetic field in the water is part of that memory. Hmm. And most, most water systems don't put that back. Yeah. It's important that we have it because that's part of our spiritual memory. So, so it keeps our head downstream. Huh. Good wow. Interesting. Well, that that's what. What is the best water people can access now? I've heard it's natural spring water, or um, and then there's a there's a few filters out there, and I know uh, you know a couple people who well, one in particular that really got ill for a year and a half, and he got, I think it's called IsoPure or something, but he said that was a big part of his health recuperation was getting quality water. And I know that when I drink quality water and I was, I was at spring water in Nelson and then I, I grabbed city tap water back in Cambridge and I was like, what is this? This is terrible. I can feel like burning. So what's the best water we could access now? Um, well, as, as much as I don't want to say, a lot of the waters that you buy in stores, they do have a, a standard to them. But if you can't, if you can't drink your tap water, that's the only way to go. But if you have a, a, even spring water has some contaminants into itself, but uh, less um, less treated water 
uh, in um, cities and stuff like that. I wouldn't suggest drinking because, of course, you know, chlorine, all that thing that goes on. <clears throat> and a lot of sudden, um, look out there and do some research on filters. And, um, yeah, and um, don't drink the water right off. So I tell people to, um, uh, if they uh, have a filter, uh, get some glass jugs. Um, uh, I don't use plastic because uh, we, we are detecting a lot of plastic in water now, a microplastic in water. Just the, even the water that you buy from the store, um, that, has, that breaks down, that breaks down into the water. So. Right, yeah, the universal solvent, right? And I've right. heard about that quite a bit. So even if you use a water filter, doesn't matter which one, then transfer that into a glass jug and you're going to be doing all right. Per day and don't drink all of it. And I'll leave about two inches on the bottom. Yeah. Huh. Never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Um, only because of the, uh, you don't see it. Uh, but if you uh, took electron microscope, you can see the contaminants uh, laying on the bottom, even with filter water. Oh, okay. So to get yes. the protocol super correct, get a water filter, put it in a glass jug, yeah. um, let it sit for a day and yeah. drink most of it, but leave the bottom for itself, oh. pour it out and then restart the process. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll give that then, a go. It takes out some of it. It's not going to take out all of it, but the, most of the heavy contaminants, um, um, <clears throat> I used to, um, I had a magnetic um, plate. And I said the magnet was uh, two inches thick, uh, that big around, and I put the glass jug on top of that. And everything uh, has a magnetic attraction to it. Uh, if there's heavy, heavy contaminants uh, in a day or so, uh, you may not see it, but it will settle down. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it does work. All right. Cool. Okay. So I want to go another direction because um, there's a lot of questions that have come up um, when we did the Notre Dame uh, episode. And um, I had a lot of questions as well around uh, Solomon's temple and uh, I'm open to you directing this in any way, but there's a lot of these like ancient sites that are really mysterious. And I think you're saying that they're when, when we were talking about the cathedral being burned, whether, whether it was deliberate or not, but there was information in there. Um, encoded in that building and uh, Solomon's temple is another big mystery so I'm, I'm curious if you can speak a little bit on Solomon's temple and what you know about that and maybe some of these other places that you said had encoded information and again just to reference Egypt you know if you look at a few uh, documentaries from Egypt or other sacred sites or Graham Hancock's work you have these megalithic structures that seem to be directed to true north or truth truth south thousands of years ago um, incredible engineering so if, if everything can be boiled down to mathematics and you can decode that from an engineering standpoint to get down to the math that literally is leaving encoded information for someone to find later so that opens up a whole world of mystery of who left it there what is the information we're meant to find and what we're supposed to do with it and who left it in the first place <laughs> we have a lot of um, things missing in our history we think we know our history, and uh, most of the times we do, but um, um, we have at least a couple million years missing. Uh, that's quite a lot of history right there. Um, as much as I know about the, the uh, pyramids, <clears throat> there is information coded in there, but 
um, what useful information that we can get out of that and use for that information. And I was um, looking on some of my studies about 10 years ago on um, um, Solomon's Temple. Um, so where that's built, and if you look where it's built on the mount, and you look on with the earth, uh, I made a calculation. All right, if somebody's trying to send us information, they can do it a couple ways. They can uh, take uh, some Paris paper and write it on Paris paper and we look at it and hopefully that uh, gives us the information. Um, but you can remember the technology back then and now is different. <laughs> so what we're decoding may give us a formula to chocolate ice cream. <laughs> and, but back then it might have gave us a formula to uh the elixir of life uh, so so what we're decoding now is like okay maybe that could be true maybe it couldn't be true so on solomon's temples i i did a calculation on the earth's spin uh, and, uh, and whatever that um, 90 degree angle was Solomon, whatever star i pointed I, I try to make note of that star spent two or three years doing this um, Nothing, nothing uh, really random. I couldn't come up with anything why somebody would do that. Uh, it took a lot of my time and a lot of calculation and came, came up with a lot of theories and things like that. Nothing. Um, and uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I sped up time. So I went uh, probably 30 years before. Head uh, of future and see if we try to estimate what that still didn't make sense. So, on any calculation out there, that you have to have a basics of your calculation, you have to have a starting point of the calculation. And I did. Um, and then I think I had about five different ways of doing it, but my input was wrong, all wrong. And what I didn't calculate, which you think I calculate, is that, okay, I calculate 14,000 years back. I only calculated 7,000 years back. So when I calculated 14 to 12,000, changed the whole formula itself. It gave us a, a different North Star because of the Earth's rotation. Uh, right now, the, the Polaris star is our North Star. Yeah. About 12,000, 14,000 years ago, Vega was our North Star. And I looked at that and it changed the whole thing. It gave a um, precise number pattern. And I said, well, if that's wrong, it's probably some of the other calculations out there is wrong too. So if we are looking for, um, I, I know the, the math is um, flawed a little bit because we use our 10 fingers for the calculations. Uh, so I, uh, I went back and uh, recently and calculated 13. And when that everything lined up, and it gave uh, me another uh, 14 sites on this earth that were um, other sites that were important. But I looked on Google Map, not one of them. Uh, not one of them matched up to a city. Oh, no, three of them matched up to a city. But the rest of them kind of matched up in the middle of the desert, ocean, all the different things I'm thinking what the sites that we know now 
Uh, it's pretty well calculated by uh, whatever the other sites out there that point to them. Uh, we have there's a grid around the earth that we use, and those line up in those grids. But the other sites didn't line up those grids. So I'm thinking that part of this calculation is part of some of the uh, information that we are looking for. Uh, of course, we talk about the pyramids. Everybody, this yeah, I, I kind of understand what that information is. But there's um, um, other mathematical formulas that we need to figure out uh, what this all means. And uh, some of it is um, understanding time, how, how time works. Uh, maybe a, a time fissure uh, um, instead of portals. A fissure is something that appears. Uh, probably every uh, nine hours uh, every day around the earth. And the fissure is a thing that you can actually uh, affect you, affect humans, affect communities, affect um, parts of the country, uh, planes, how fast we go, how slow we go, uh, affects um, your, your uh, time, uh, you're slowing in time being uh, or faster in time. So that's part of that calculation. Okay. Well, I've never heard about a, a, a time fisher, like F-I-S-H-E-R. Yes. Uh, I use that because uh, portals, not a portal. Um, I think um, they use that portal as like a time gate thing on, on, um, on TV. The thing is being sucked in or you can look in the other side. A fisher um, is a almost like an eddy in the water, but it, it, it compresses time into a, a, a variance variable and then it, it's um it exists in your time period but it's like being in two places at one time so how would you be able to identify or calculate that that exists like how would you oh, that's, that's easy um a good way to do it is take a um a rope uh and take that rope uh, probably go up uh, 600 feet and tie it between two trees and pull that rope as tight as you can possibly pull it and you look down through that rope that rope is not straight because um, uh, the, the fissure of time pulls on that rope we call it gravity but that rope as much as you can pull it is never straight it's, it always has that little bend to it that is a fissure that is a fissure going in it's almost like gravity but there's five or six fissures to do that um, because time can exist in uh, a, a, a variable and only can exist in a variable of, of beside each other. So you really, uh, if you, from each one of that rope, uh, you're two different parts of time. So if you, if you walk to the other end, you're in a different time period. Walk to the other end, you can't be in two places, only with, with the, when you pull that straight, you can be in those two places. That's the fissure, how you know someone's there. They're everywhere. And then there's a lot of, uh, I was going to try to quote somebody that one of the scientists that are um, heading up that part of that project. It's like a, we have, you know, black hole is a, a type of fissure. Uh, it's a compression of time, but it's such a compression that if you went in, you'd be uh, um, pulled apart because of your molecules. But the, the, the blue light that you have will be put somewhere else. Your body won't be able to take, take it, but your spirit would be able to be traveling anywhere in them things. And that's our pictures. 
Okay. We're, all right. So we're talking about like, do you think then that time travel is possible? And I've heard you speak about the Philadelphia experiment before. Do you think that yeah. that is real and that actually happened? Because that's actually documented. And yeah, I think parts of that are real. Uh, I've uh, read a lot about the, the military's um, uh, cloaking thing, um, uh, project. Um, um, I uh, can't remember what the project is, but I should find it online. But uh, using a magnetic field to um, cloak a ship. Um, so there's some truth to that. If you uh, take a, a magnetic field and uh, increase that, really uh, compress that magnetic field, uh, and if you had to say in, in this room, uh, that it will cancel part of the gravity. It'll make you float. <laughs> so there's a way to cancel gravity out. How do you, well, <laughs> okay. Um, well, do you, I guess when I was in, in Egypt um, and I was around, we were getting lectures with, uh, you know, physicists and engineers, and I'm not a physicist or a scientist. Luckily, they're giving it to me in layman's terms, mostly anyways, sometimes advanced mathematics. But I guess we don't understand what gravity is. Um, to a certain portion, um, yeah, um, I can only kind of explain gravity with a magnet. Uh, of course, with a magnet, you got north and south. Uh, you put uh, north and north together, they repel each other. You put the opposite, they, they attract each other. And then the magnet changes into north to south. Uh, that field that uh, connects to each other, it's, um, that makes uh, a peel. So, People try to explain magnets. Um, you can induce a magnetic field with electricity, uh, but the funny thing is, this is the weird thing, uh, this, I've done experiments with this, is that you make a magnetic coil, adds electricity to it, it takes the nail and attracts the nail, right? So, but there's no way to take that magnet, the electric magnet, and change the field so it repels. It always goes in. You can't make it repel. Uh, you can do it with electricity and uh, make a rail gun or something, but, but you're still using one end of a magnet to do that. So the, the magnet itself, the magnetic field itself, it induces a field into iron and, and uh, ceramics and things like that. But gravity only is only one part of that field. It's the north of that field. So if you can get a three-sided magnet, uh, you can uh, almost cancel gravity. Some of the three-sided magnets I have, uh, you can't see it canceling out gravity because of the fields that's coming in. You have to go down to a micro level. It's right in that V. Uh, when the current has to change over, there's a little um, fissure, I would call it, that has no magnetic field. It doesn't point either way. So that's the cancel part of the uh, magnetic field level. So electric magnet now that tracks the nail. So now using a, just a regular um, regular magnet, you turn it, and there's no way to shut that field off. I mean, it's, it's acting like an electric magnet, but what's, what's running it? Well, what makes it attract? And that field, it's an always ongoing field, but you can shut it off. Um, and I think I did some experiments with coils um, several years ago that I added 1400 degrees to a magnet and it shuts off the magnetic field immediately. It, it kills the magnetic field, the heat. So 
I'm thinking, said, wow, that's real weird. Uh, over 1,400.2 degrees, there's no magnetic field even in the ceramic magnet. Uh, why is that? It's because the byproduct, of course, is heat. But if you take that heat and you make a plasmic out of it, uh, you can do it with a probably um, mercury, uh, induce some mercury into a, a, a ceramic magnet and spin it around. And guess what you get on the outside? Vortexes, uh, those fissures. And guess what that cancels out? Part of the gravity. And it, and it changes, it makes the, the uh, magnetic AC and DC, it keeps changing the field back and forth really fast. And that's what repels the gravity. Because um, the magnet is a, it's a, it's a higher form of gravity. It's the exact same thing. The mass works the same, but at a bigger, at a bigger density. Um, black holes cancel gravity, the sun cancels gravity, our Earth cancels gravity to a certain point. But the density, when that goes together, that we're, we are magnetic beings too. So we're, we're with a nail, clicks us. So if we have a way to turn that off, off we go. Or anything that we want to do. Uh, if you check your magnetic field off, kill you, make you, you die. So you, you might want to keep your magnetic field on. But if you have something around you, uh, that uh, will induce that, um, like I said, um, sky's limit. <laughs> and that's been done. Uh, I've done a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of research. A lot of people have done that before. And working uh, with a lot of the peels, a lot of the um, insects, were, uh, insects, mosquitoes, and things like that, they have a small magnetic uh, reversal field. And then so it's really hard to measure because I don't have the devices to measure it, but they work with um, magnetic um, uh, waves. Uh, when something induces a wave like the, like the Earth, uh, you can ride that wave if you wanted to. Um, be like back in the future, there's hoverboards. Most insects do that. Dragonfly, especially. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, I remember coming across the anti-gravity platform. Right, and you yeah. can find that. That's on YouTube, and that actually existed, correct? Um, this story's been blown up, and I'm not going to burst your bubble. So. No. <laughs> so that one. Well, I thought I saw the from like the old videos of the guy hovering around. On that didn't work. That was a false one. Um, well, this hasn't been proven because the people, some of the scientists, got a hold of that, and they, they tried to replicate the experiment, and they couldn't get anything to work. Shoot. So. Okay, well, what about um, Bob Lazar? I just watched that documentary and he talks about uh, working in somewhere near Area 51. You can watch the documentary, it's out now. He's, there's a lot of information, he's had a lot of interviews. Um, but he talks about working on a ship. A ship. It's a crashed object that apparently the government had and uh, it was a metal shape or metal, metal disc type of deal and it was anti-gravity. This, could this knowledge potentially create a craft and 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 do you think that that craft was a legit spacecraft from somewhere else that's that's not terrestrial well i do uh, i do know a little bit about this um he's not totally wrong um so in order to do that we have no power source to make anti-gravity uh uh we can uh, uh oh lift something really heavy uh, because the density of mass doesn't equal the density of the magnetic fields, because uh, you would need 
they, they can induce fields into a small area like that now. Really, but it takes a lot of power. You need some sort of power source, like a neutron star, a piece of a neutron star. Uh, if you had a wafer, probably a one inch thick by, it, it would have to be, I would draw, the, draw it for you, the shape of it. You would have to have a wafer. You see that? Yeah. That shape. Uh, one inch thick of a neutron star, and that will produce about five hydrodams of electricity. Because if you know what a neutron star is, it's a neutron star. It's a piece of a neutron. Uh, if you can take that and use that as a power source, it'd be no problem for, for a, um, uh, anti-gravity. So if there are visitors here, of course, their technology is a little bit more advanced than ours. They just can get a piece of one and use that for that element for a power source. They have unlimited power. Any galaxy, any travel. <laughs> yeah. And Alex said, Alex said I've uh, looked at a lot of his studies and who he is. And yeah, he has some truth to it. Yeah. I didn't press that bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, going down, going down the rabbit holes of just UFOs and disclosures and, and things like that, it can be pretty um, interesting. Uh, one of the things you talked about before was the Majestic 12, yeah. um, researching that. So it seems that when you do a lot of UFO research or disclosure, um, Graham, Graham Hancock, I just listened to his interview on Joe Rogan, and he talks about ancient civilizations, and he's correlating a different human history. He's suggesting that it is very probable and possible that there was a civilization before the Ice Age. And you've said, you know, the history is 20,000 years, but it's actually much longer than that. And he comes up and he presents evidence um, – uh, possible evidence of a civilization over a hundred thousand years. And I think it's the, uh, the Clovis culture. And um, so he talked about that and he talked about um, what else did he talk about this? Um, I'm just going to find it in my notes here. Uh, where is it? This cave the the younger Dryas and the Dis Denisova cave, all of this um, sharing a very very powerful evidence that civilization is way older than we're currently saying. And that rewrites everything. And what you're saying is if we have millions of years um, missing, not, and I don't think that our history is very accurate. I think what we're getting is very limited, very skewed um, and very nationalistic, you know, impartial when you're in the States, you barely even like learn about other cultures. And I only, not all of the U S but I know a good portion of it because when I taught snowboarding, it was always the kids from the U S that knew less about Australia, New Zealand, all the European countries. They didn't know it wasn't taught in their schools. So how would you know now? Fortunately we have the internet, but we're using the internet mixed with our own indoctrination. I'm Canadian. I play hockey and I do those kinds of things. You know, you're American depend on which one, because you're going to be very state oriented. Um, so we go into this, mm, we have to research. And if we, when we start to research, it's hard to know exactly what the truth is. So can you speak on any of uh, Graham Hancock's findings in that interview and, and what you resonate with, or if you have any additional information on it? Well, I agree with him. There's civilizations out there that we haven't uncovered yet. 
And uh, what he talks about, I find a lot of truth in it. It's like, yeah, um, we want, as, as, a, as a nation or as of the world, that we want to just, we don't want anything beyond 2,000 years. Okay, we started 2,000 years ago and everything is fine now, but it's only fine for the elite people of this earth. Uh, for us commoners out there that are trying to uh, make a living and trying to eat and trying to be healthy and trying not to kill each other, um, you know, we want to know that history. Uh, we want to know that we are not just slaves of this world, of just uh, working as a living. I know that uh, in our history, that's 20,000 years old, that there was a time that we didn't have wars on this earth and all the things that we have. There is truth out there that we don't even know. We don't want to know. I know that's the hard part. It's like, um, uh, you know, part of uh, the information sharing out there, you don't really find a lot of people looking for that information and want to change because they're happy. I just driving out the other day and um, in a traffic jam, everybody else is going their way and um, even, What's happened in our history the last couple of years? People forget about it. It's like they, you know, but we're enslaved. And our history is going to help us to find the future. And again, again, you asked me about those coded um, numbers, and, and I'm not the only one looking for these things. I'm, there's a, a number of people out there looking for a better way, uh, being able to bring hope to this world. That you know, this is not all there is in this world. And then I do share some of his findings. Yeah. Well, there's there's so many things I want to ask you, but um, I had a a comment on on our from on our broadcast from Tyler, and uh, he says element one fifteen. And uh, do you, what do you know about that? Is that is that a real thing? I don't know anything about it. He just commented it, so I I researched it real quick and just saw like a Wikipedia thing. Um. Yeah, you, uh, <clears throat> plausible denial. How's that? <laughs> plausible denial. Okay. Well, you have talked about some interesting uh, elements in the past. Word. Well, actually, what is the, What's that energy you talked about? So we have one energy here, but then there's a phalon. Phalon. Yeah. So you're saying that that's a second energy that might come to Earth? Might have. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes in uh, forms of um, particles that's hitting space. It's something like a neutrino. Uh, neutrino, is a, is a, neutrino is part of electrical field. Phalon uh, doesn't come from there. It comes from the uh, in or out. It doesn't, it doesn't react to electricity's fields. And it's a bigger a wavelength to the field itself. And it is not electricity. <laughs> and so, um, what do we use it for? Can we harness it? Um, there's things in the copper scrolls to show how to harness it, but um, wavelengths of the human mind, they think it works off part of a phalon charge. Uh, you can store uh, information, electricity, but you can't have intelligence from it. So it has to come from somewhere else. So we think it comes from phalon. Phalon is a, um, a older particle than electricity. Uh, phalon's been here way beyond the Big Bang. And if there was a civilization out there that's, uh, that lives, you would rather live with payload than electricity. 
Well, electricity uh, is a deteriorating element, so uh, your body would deteriorate because part of, most of the particles will leave you. Phalon uh, always stays. It's, it is beginning and end. Hmm. It's okay. hard to explain what it is because you know it doesn't have an orbit like um, the electrons do. It orbits within uh, thirty-seven fields at once. That sounds very fascinating. I'm gonna. Yes. Keep, I'm just gonna keep throwing questions at you. Um, do you want to add it? Say anything else about Phelan? Um. <clears throat> I guess if, if, if there is an alien race here, and how I can tell, how I can tell they're, they're here is to measure phalon. <laughs> because if you measure electricity of, of the earth, you can measure electricity of the trees, all the insects, all the different things, but if you, can, you can figure out what the frequency of the humans are. So that means there's somewhat life here that works off the electricity. So in the advanced race, all they do is be able to figure out what electricity is and figure out what you are. <laughs> so phalon is a little higher um, resonance. Um, so then it's, and you can detect it. There's ways to detect phalon, um, electricity. Yeah, I was getting, that was gonna be my next question. How do, you, how do you spell phalon and how do you measure it? Well, I'm not gonna try to spell it because there's uh, several ways of spelling it. But if you look it up, uh, it'll give you about a, a nine different definitions of what it is. But how you detect it is that um, um, I would say you would feel the resonance of what that is because it will react to the electricity. Uh, it, will, it will be like a static, uh, but it's not bad. It'd be. A, uh, physical static will be a blue light uh, around that person or that that um, alien. So, okay, so yeah, you, there's a lot of jeez, <laughs> there's 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 a lot of stuff out there where people are saying they're they're talking to aliens or they're channeling ETs and and things like that. And you, you've had a little bit of a different view. And um, you know, as I've said in the past, I I can't remember where I heard it from. It might have been you or someone else, but. Um, that apparently the, uh, you know, the Native American tribes had contact with, with advanced other civilizations that are non-terrestrial. Um, we have the Mormons apparently through group and even the Freemasons. And my understanding of kind of like doing research, talking to you, talking to many other people, doing a lot of research, diving down the rabbit holes, is that it, there needs to be a group of people. It's not just one, and there needs to be a group of people. So when people are saying that they're, they're channeling ETs or talking to ETs, how do you know for, for you, like whether you believe them, like you, you told me before that Betty and Barty Hill, um, that abduction, you, you thought that that was a legitimate one um, because yes. they were describing things in detail and stuff like that. So um, how would we know if we're communicating with, with another being? And yeah, that, we'll just leave it at that. Um, well, uh, first it's going to be a language barrier or communication barrier. Um, did the Native Americans channel Europeans 10 years before the contact? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Well, you got, but then, then, you know, you got to recognize though in the white person's mind or mine, I'm just imagining you guys doing some sort of ceremony around a fire, doing all sorts of spiritual magical stuff. 
<laughs> well, um, it's, it's like that's out there. It's like, yeah, but it has to be some sort of review. Houston, if I'm going to channel, I want to make sure there's two people beside me that's at least writing or understanding what I'm doing. So it's not me making that claim. It's like, okay, um, George and Ralph here, or Sarah and Ralph, uh, um, do you hear this person channeling? And they write it down or to get this information. Um, and, I, and I find that plausible, plausible uh, information that we can use. Um, great. Um, I don't think a civilization would uh, uh, would interfere only because of what we're doing, uh, where we are uh, war-like, and I don't care if you in the peace market, you are warlike. Uh, we still have anger. We still have all these different things out there that um, we're trying to find out. And here we are. Do we want to be able to channel the, the um, or even be in contact with another civilization? What do they like the Europeans? And we're the natives. And we are the native. And our technologies are very uh, primitive. Uh, our weaponry is very primitive. Uh, we wouldn't stand a chance. <clears throat> what I know anyway. So uh, I think it's like plausible uh, information that we can use. You know, they, the, I, all the ones I, I know that they channel, they say, oh, yeah, you got to be in peace, and I'm going to give you a doctrine and all this. And, but it's like nothing, nothing there. It's like, great. Um, uh, let, let's, let's find out who the peacemakers are. They should give us who the peace, peacemakers are. It's not our governments. It's not our religious leaders. It's not our spiritual leaders. There's um, individuals in our civilizations that are hidden, and I'm not even born yet of the peacemakers. How come they don't point towards them direction or just on me? So, yeah, and said, oh, I'm the peacemaker here. Yeah, come and see me. I want to write a book. So I've been thinking about writing a book, too. Well, so well, one of the things that you had me look up before was the zoo hypothesis. Yes. Um, and I have it up on Wikipedia now, and it says the zoo hypothesis speculates on the assumed behavior and existence of technically advanced extraterrestrial life and the reasons they refrain from contacting Earth. It is one of the many theoretical explanations for the Fermi paradox. The hypothesis is that alien life intentionally avoids communication with Earth, and one of its main interpretations is that it does so to allow for natural evolution and socio-cultural development, avoiding interplanetary contamination, similarly to people observing animals at a zoo. The hypothesis seeks to explain the apparent absence of extraterrestrial life despite its generally accepted plausibility and hence the reasonable expectation of its existence. Aliens might, for example, choose to allow contact once the human species has passed certain techno technological, political, or ethical standards. And it continues. And it goes on quite a lot. Um, I read that document many years ago. Um, think about it. You know, we're, as a civilization, we're trying to, um, why are we contacting as a civilization? Why, why do we think that? Because we, we don't like our world. We don't like the way the things go. We don't like the political systems. We don't like the spiritual systems. We don't like all the lies that's been told to us over the years and years and years. So it, it's theorized in our cultures that we're, we want something better. And, um, and you find this in all different cultures all through the ages, uh, right back to the, the uh, 
um, to the Romans, everything else that the uh, the people that's been knocked down, killed, they are looking for the savior. They're looking for a way out, and that's what we're doing now. Um, with with no bail, uh, we, we we don't have any plausible communication. Is and and I, I've been looking and looking myself, and I've had my antennas up there for years and years to to see if there's civilization on our earth. And, if, if we are civilized, if we are spiritual civilized, if we are technical, advanced humans to um, to take the next step, and that next step is like you know the resonators I built is from a piece of copper. You know, and I got I translated that for years to uh, to come up with some sort of uh, something to rent your house. Uh, when they made these things thousands of years, I don't think they were made to rent houses, you know, and rent my um, computer, to rent my uh, my uh, furnace, to rent the lights, and to make sure that I'm comfortable in this house. But it does have other benefits, you know. Maybe uh, it has ran another system. Maybe, maybe ran something, because we're, right now we, we're thinking the resonators, oh, great, oh, let's, uh, well, because of, we do not have an energy shortage. We do not have a fuel shortage. We have, um, you know, the reason why we want free energy is because we have to pay for it now. That means in order to get electricity to this house, I, I need to go out and work and get a currency that's not, not worth anything. And the, the, the Fed makes up money, make believe money. And you know, each, each one of the dollars come up, there's a $90 against your dollar. Every time you got them, your, your, your inflation, that uh, depends on your debt. Your debt depends on what you buy. I mean, you, if we know this and the mind know this, the, the, the intelligent life that's watching us know all this. So I don't think if we make contact, it's going to help us because then, again, then we're going to come into civil war because then there's going to be uh, the technology outweighing the non-technology. So we get technology from advance, we're going to use it to the lower technology. We're going to, and then we don't think we're going to do that. We'll try to go to LA and walk down those streets. You know, everybody, you know, you can hear, it's like a war zone there at night. You can hear gunfire and everything. Is that, is that um, civilization? Is that us in our best? Why are they doing that? It's because we want something. We want something better and everything else. So it's great to have free energy machine, but now, are they going to take this resonator and weaponize it? Um, yeah, that probably is, because some people will take it and say, oh, yeah, we're going to use it for great benefit. But I can guarantee you, well, just with the release of, um, of the Copper Scrolls uh, eight years ago, Everybody was drooling over the technology, and they wanted to patent it. They wanted to uh, make money from it, and people wanted to rent their houses. And people have actually stolen this technology and used it for self. They took the, the spiritual technology and said, oh, heck with the star teaching. We're going to go do something on our own. And they took pieces of the star teaching and went somewhere else. And, you know, the, this is not how civilization is supposed to take the copper scrolls. This is a manual of of how to be in peace, how to, you're doing, part of being peace is, peace is part of the energy, is that, yes, I do need energy to run my house, I need energy to run my drill, you know, but other people need energy, like the, um, the companies that run the energy, all the hydro dams, they need the, 
uh, keep the money going so they can rent, so they get money from you, so they, whoever the individuals are, can go to Hawaii and buy out the, the earth. That's a lot to think about for civilization, especially in so many channels. Like, don't they think about that stuff? Tell, tell me one number, tell me one solution, something. But I've been, I'm still checking. I just had somebody talk to me the other day and said, I channeled this, and, but it's, it's more, I can, I can pretty well find out in the book somewhere how they got that information because we're, we're, we're trying, I know we're trying, but we're looking for plausible information that we can use. And that's maybe in technology, that may be in financial, that may be in um, spiritual, maybe in cultural, maybe in community. It has to be one of those things. Well, you said a lot there, and I want to ask you a lot of questions, and I'll um, maybe I'll ask. I know you prefer one at a time, and my mind just wants to throw so much stuff at you. Um, let's start with the first one. Um, so, with the idea of like, say, ETs or terrestrials, let's, let's say that I'm I'm that I'm that alien person, and I'm in a spaceship, and I'm observing this, right? I look down from what I know as being a human. I'm going to try to play two parts here. I'm a human being, but I'm going to pretend I'm this extraterrestrial race looking down. I know that there are some people who are genuine, who are authentic, who are really trying to make the planet a better place, but they're being suppressed by systems outside of their control. And so they're trying to basically survive in chaos and do their best to get food, water, shelter, um, make a contribution to their community and humanity, but humanity, they're observing, doing crazy stuff. You know, I look at the organ harvesting in China, the wars, the people on the street. Uh, now in where I am, I come back to Cambridge after just a year and I go into the library, which is actually modified and super cool. Now they got 3D printing and all kinds of stuff I was excited about, but three people came in um, really messed up on drugs on Oxycontins or something like that. Now, it's not to knock that person. That person needs help. Um, and it just seems like there's so much crap going on here. And the systems at the top are what piss me off. And like, I don't know if it's groups of people. I've heard about, you know, Illuminati or kings and queens and governments and things like that. But it does seem like there's mass system of suppression here. So if we didn't have to go out and make money every day and we had all of our basic needs met and we had proper education and we weren't being bombarded by um you know hip hypnotic suggestions in movies and in media and in mass media on purpose and systematically i think that we would have a much clearer mind and a better opportunity to have peace here we're being manipulated on purpose i think and so if they could help with that you know be like okay you know what we need some inspirational things here whatever i don't know how that would work but it seems like the humans the everyday person need to get together and rise up and you know change those systems but it also seems that like it's so hard for the everyday average person to change the um weight that they're under to survive that it that it's almost an impossible task well a lot of it is wording is that you just said it you said it's impossible seems we've got to work together but do you use the word impossible seems yeah that is, a, that, is a, that is a resonant word. You know what that means? Yeah, yeah of course you know what that means. Can't How do you change impossible to possible? Hope? No, the spelling. Ah. <laughs> and um, people don't realize that is that everything you said, and that if there, there is an advanced race, and there is, 
they know they may not know your personality they may know your your culture they might know your side because the side processes on your earth is different from another planet uh, and we we, we want to take our side processes and put them to all that world and we want peace well maybe we're on the road of peace um, uh, but we have to blow ourselves up to do it to understand what peace is i hope that's not it but uh, a lot of the math that i've done um, you know uh, the machine gun was invented to end all wars because nobody was standing in front of a machine gun, would they? And that was the machine gun uh, was invented just for that purpose. That, that was such an awful weapon that, that fires so many rounds and no, no soldiers will ever get in front of that. But you look at the First World War, you know, all those thousands of people coming out of the trenches getting mowed down by a machine gun. Our thought process is screwed up because when we give our power away and we do uh, and not caring I mean you, you can't make a difference I can't make a difference but three can make a difference you know and that's already that's already been written to the this world you know you know yeah Gandhi was, was good but he died somebody killed him Kennedy was good. Somebody killed him. If we get to a certain point, if I get to a certain point, you know, I already had attempt twice on my life already for just this information I'm just sharing with you. And that shouldn't go over the world. It is communities of this world uh, of um, looking in that direction. But it's, again, it's like, all right, how many times are we going to say this? Over and over again. There is no quick solution on this um, thing. Was that okay? What what is that message has to be to you or to community to um, to take the next step? But everybody's looking for the miracle rainbow solution of this thing. Okay, you're going to do this or do that. <clears throat> no, in order to make a hole, you need a shovel. And guys, I already have the shovel. And you already have the hole. What you can put in it? <laughs> you know. Like, the seeds of life back into the earth uh, and this, you know you guys took your world and figured it up the last 83 years out it's going to take you that much more to, to see that uh, that morning star and that's the hard part of this is like I, we know the solution but um, it's, we don't want to do it if one of those beings come to you and told you what I said What's the difference between me and him, or he or her, or whatever they are? Do I have to have uh, big eyes, green? Uh, do I have to be uh, coming from a spaceship? Uh, would you listen? I think if think if you drop down in a spaceship and yeah, probably I I don't know maybe who knows? It happened. So has it? Yeah. You talking about like the nineteen fifty three Washington thing? Uh, 1953, uh, 1950, 1960, 1961, 1962, 1963, 1967. Um, I mean, I can keep going on. Well, there's a difference now because if they came down above like the Super Bowl and what we have with social media and stuff like that, that's, I don't know how many people watch the Super Bowl
but or I wonder wonder if it's just like the biggest gathering in humanity, huh? Phoenix Lights. Phoenix Lights. Didn't you say I, that there's going to be like another event like that? There is. When do you think that's going to happen? Pretty soon. Um, but, but right now that we're all uh, induced with the YouTube and uh, CGI and all that stuff, so it's really hard to believe this machine. Don't even believe me today. Right. Well, that that would be like my my suggestion to the ETs would be like come at a massive gathering, whether it's a like everybody seeing that person, and then come down and grab the microphone or whatever kind of tech they have and give a message, you know, and then bloop bloop out. And with social media and everything now, there's I don't think we can ignore that because in 1960s they just had the newspapers. Now we got phones like crazy. We got all kinds of stuff. So that would that would display an advanced technology that we're unaware of where if, if just an individual is saying it just like a channeler or anything else you're either believing the channeler you are not believing the channeler or whatever they say um just like we've kind of talked about um like with nithyananda he straight up said he's an et he, he said it directly um and I, I don't know i can't tell if he's serious or not serious but i've listened to a few of his talks and like what he says about some of them are ridiculous and the, to the point where people will even make comedic videos about them. Um, so, you know, people are going to see that, but if he came down in an advanced ship and then said it, then we're like, okay, well that guy might be from somewhere else. Sure. looks like it. Well, well, what would be the percentage of believers and what would be centers of the hoaxers? Well, the people in person would probably believe if they saw it like that, like a Super Bowl or something, because then they could they could verify through so many different avenues. I guess verification, right? And it's just like with the Phoenix Lights or um, individual uh, stories, like my friend David Robinson telling me a story about going down a back road and his phone going down, and there's a spaceship above his head. And, and his buddy is just like, what the heck? And he's just like, that was just an experience for him. He didn't have a contact with an ET, but he saw a spaceship and he's like, what the heck? And it blew his mind wide open. Um, you know, that was just for him. But, it, but if thousands of people saw that, because he's talking to his buddy in the car, making sure that they're both seeing the same thing and they can correspond. And I guess the one buddy like never talks about it at all. And, and David only shares it like every now and then because people don't even believe what he saw. Yeah. So. I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd be, yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. Um, well, what I wanted to ask is for humanity, what would we need to have contact? Let's say I'm like, you know what, David, I'd like to go have contact today with an ET. Can I do that by myself? Yes or no? Um, this is probably possible. Um, but as in contact, a lot of us people want to, I've been doing this for years. I'm verification of UFOs and ETs and little green men. I have to see it to believe it. And that's true. We have to see it to believe it. And, but we don't, as much as um, thousands and thousands of <laughs> UFOs and encounters and all that, we don't believe all that. Most of us anyway. So it hasn't really changed. Right now, is that the government, all the governments already admitted of the world that there's things flying in our airspace and we don't know what they are. So I think the next is um, as communities, that, like, again, I would rather have two people beside me verifying a UFO than me trying to explain what it is um, to have a video or something, and maybe so. 
but uh, the verification of something actually talks back to us. I think that's the next thing. How yeah. do we get? How do we get to the verification of of having an open dialogue, a f even a friendly dialogue? I like in Men in Black where the video of him is holding flowers, and that that would be the spirit of humanity that. I would like to give, but one of the examples I've given on podcasts before is like, if we think of humanity as like team earth, if we think about like a, being a galactic civilization with potentially other civilizations, just like back in the day, we had Canada and, uh, you know, North America, and then we had the Europeans. But unfortunately, the way that we work is we just war with each other and try to conquer the next one. It could be like that out in the solar system as well, going Star Trek or Star Wars. But ideally, what I would like to imagine is, uh, like a team earth where everybody on the earth cooperated. We stop with these imaginary borders and all these uh, differences and we find compassion. We work together as a unit to make this the most glorious, incredible planet ever. And if an ET came down and looked at this, it'd be like, what is happening here? Like what is actually going on? Like this place is nuts, you know? And so I would love to like, if I had to explain to another race about humanity, it'd be a lot of explaining about the atrocities. And I'd be like, I don't know. Like I, I wish I could push a button and stop it, but it's just like a lot of chaos down here. So is there a way to have an open dialogue to hand some flowers and, and, and initiate a, um, a conversation in kind spirit? Yes, I think that there's um, the spiritual technologies out there. I'm just checking the star teachings that if we are in community, we're going to have to keep quiet to hear each other. We don't do that. Um, is to set up a... A, um, a community that all talks together without hate, without um, malice, without jealousy, for at least a couple of hours and speak. I think that's the way we should, we have to clean our ears out. Because if there's, if there's a civilization talking to us, we're not listening. Yeah. Because we have a preconception of what that is. And why in the United States? How come not? somewhere in China or somewhere other in the world, because our, our thing is, oh, China's at war, not Vietnam. Um, they're not all at war. There's, there's some compassionate people and kind people there. Why United States? How come another island, island with a, a small community to start? Because we, we have to learn to sit and talk with each other. They're, if we have, they're going to recognize us, it's not the UN. <laughs> Right. Interesting. So if people are listening to this, what's an action step that they could take to support that? Support yeah. welcoming ETs? To have an understanding. Space travelers, sorry. Understand of your own spirit, who you are. Um, find out if, you know, some people say, oh, I love you and everything. Well, thank you for that. But um, understanding that I am an individual, you are an individual. Um, how to come up with some way to sit in community and then talk with each other to, to start that, uh, that contact. That's it. Look on the start teachings. It gives you a manual on how to do that. I, I'd be glad to come and speak to anybody. Right. And, and part of the background of that, which I keep resharing for people is that when you were training on the mountain for 26 years, uh, you were taught all this stuff and what to bring to the non-natives to um, what I am kind of inferring is to how to have contact again is like, this is a, this is a protocol that we use in the past to welcome visitors. You know, this is how it worked. 
Um, and this is a protocol that you can use to welcome visitors. And there yes. are, are organizations that have a actually done this. Yes. Yep. And, um, and it's getting uh, the community ready for that communication um, because it is going to take a little bit of trial and error to uh, figure out what their language is. And they, they're not like you and they're, they're, they're a different culture. They, they think a different way. Um, so, yeah, it's a learning part of that communication and them with you. Right. In which country would they land in? All of them? Very good. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to have communities ready in all of them to do that. And because the first thing our government's going to do is muffle it. Yeah. Hmm. Not because the government's bad, it's because you take power, if you take, um, take that away and, and, and put it to the world that renders our government useless. Why do we elect our government? To protect our rights and, and we don't think about this, to protect our rights and to uh, keep us in the United States and free and everything else. <clears throat> Try to do this podcast in Syria or something. Yeah, well, a lot of places, too, you get killed for the stuff that I say about yeah. religion and stuff like that. I'd literally be hung. It's yeah. madness. And I'm so fortunate to be Canadian. We're so fortunate to be able to hear this. So we really do got some intense stuff going on with persecution on this planet. I, I think that our teachings, uh, uh, what we were taught the last um, since we were born, you know, we were born in the Christian society and we have to follow the Christian rules and things like that. And like I said, I'm not putting Christianity down. It's just that our thought process stops, um, that we don't want to think beyond where that information came from. And that's it. Um, I'm thinking 2,000 years and that's it. And I'm not going to try to think anymore. Like I said, uh, it's, it's, uh, if you're a Christian, be a good Christian. If you're Muslim, be a good Muslim. But be open, more open-minded. Uh, and that's the hard part to do because uh, it's really even hard to prove there's a God or a creator or something like that, let alone some of the things that we think about, you know. So that's a lot of things that we have to wrestle in our communities. So if there is an ET trying to uh, make contact, they have to <clears throat> kind of go around this too because if the ET says right now, what would that do to the Christian faith, you know? What would that do to our faith, let alone, let alone what we know now? It might be something totally different than what we ever think about, you know? We keep on thinking, well, the, the, the civilization that's out there might be in peace. Maybe they warred across the universe to get to this planet, you know? They go, maybe they're doing that right now. So we don't know that because we're so easily manipulated as humans, you know? Look at us where look at where we are right now. Can you just leave your house right now and come and see me? Probably not. You probably need to do all kinds of money and all the things to get here and play. You know, you're not free. That means you have to go out and find that somewhere. So that's not being spiritual free. Well, I think that's what we're. How do we get to that space? How, how do like I haven't figured it out really. And again, uh, we will say it's community, you know, it's how to work with the community, how to work with the two people inside of you. That's it. Right. You know, all the places I spoke, uh, I don't think people really understood what they've said. You know, we are looking for intelligent life. Um, 
than we still are. <laughs> so you think about that one. But it's like, all right, just, you are speaking a different language. <laughs> hmm. My mother and father always taught me to say, play nice. That's one of the things, play nice. Most people don't do that. You know, I get so many comments online, you know, but it's like, play nice. You know, you guys want the answer to peace? Play nice. Um, we should be able to get along with each other. We should have a, be able to have a game of soccer out in my front yard. No competition. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I know I know we've been going for a long time. Um, I think you have another talk coming up, like right now. I like three. Yes. Oh, three. shoot! Cool. I was gonna shoot like three questions at you too. Uh, why? Oh, yeah. I gotta I save those. Try one. I'll save them. Um, okay. I'll, I'll go with the most important one. Um, one is more of a comment. You, you're still uh, going, <laughs> trying to go to a um, Stonehenge to take some measurements, and you need some support yeah. with that. So you can maybe share that. And then the 2,000 people, um, you've asked for this for a long time, that if there's a community of 2,000 people, then you can share a message. It's a very powerful message. It's a very ancient message um, and should be like not – like a very exciting event. So do you want to speak on either of those things? I've been waiting for her to tell that message for eight years since I came here. So that's how, how we can tell there's an intelligence. It's like, is this an interest? Uh, you know, uh, we're having, um, I'm supposed to be going to London in, in a few months, but that's really up to you. Um, uh, we have to uh, use your financial system to go there. We have to go, we collect the dollars and all the different things. So um, that's really, again, it's really up to you guys. Are you guys looking for communication? Uh, is that being in community? Can you imagine what that message is? It's an incredible message. I don't, like I said, it's, and it takes volumes of people. We want people to be in peace. We need volumes of people to do that. It's, it's really hard to do it with uh, 20 or 30 people. In most of the uh, talks, I, uh, I go to talks, and I think the last we had like 200 people. But, you know, it's, it's interesting what I say, but I'm also giving you part of the answer. Right. It's people, that's all. Yeah. So if we are going, if we're not going, it's going to be up to the communities. <clears throat> and I'm working diligently is what I, I can do here to raise, raise money. But like I said, we, again, we, we need lodging and we need to pay for our food and all that stuff. And my dog said that I haven't fed him today, so I have to feed him. So. Right. Well, holy crap. This was another very fascinating episode. Um, so many other topics that I was going to um, cover with you, but I know that you want to do more sh podcasts, right? And you want to share yeah. more about um, some of the stuff you're working on. Um, so if you guys, the viewers out there have questions, you can email me, um, post them on the star teachings on Facebook. Um, just get connected, get involved. If you're curious, uh, definitely support David if you can, because he is awesome and he works incredibly hard. Um, I've seen it firsthand and, and uh, so I just have a lot of uh, admiration and respect for how hard you work and what you do because I see it and uh, and I do probably half of it and complain 10 times <laughs> as much. So <laughs> but, uh, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for everything you shared. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? No, just uh, thank you for having me and um, the people out there. Uh, check out our websites. We have a bunch of stuff out there that you can look at in YouTube videos. Uh, take a look. So thank you very much, uh, Matthew. It's really good to see you. Yeah, my pleasure. I think ancientechoes.org is up now.
Yep. Yep. So that's where we're going to be posting the science and, and some of that stuff. So go check that out. Um, yeah. yeah, we got the framework up. We're going to improve it. Um, any help and support is appreciated. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Thanks, David. Mm -hmm. See ya. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up that extraordinary episode with David Lonebear Senapass. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please take screenshots, share on Instagram, share on Facebook, tag me at Matt Belair. Let me know where you're listening, what you liked. Please leave a review in iTunes. They help immensely. Um, thank you to all of you who've been sharing on Instagram. I see you. I appreciate you. Thank you to all of you who've left a review in iTunes. I appreciate you as well. For those of you guys in London, England, in the UK, we are planning on coming there for the solstice to take some energetic readings of the magnetic fields and whatever kind of crazy science stuff David is doing at Stonehenge for the solstice. Apparently those sites are activated only when groups of people are there and that's why we are going. We're going to be doing some teachings. So if you want to meet us in person, hit me up on social media or matt at zenathlete.com and uh, just let, let us, we'll let you know where we're going to be. We're setting up some talks and we're going to be there. So we'd love to meet you in person. For those of you guys who are interested in coaching and you're serious about taking action to move towards your soul calling, your life purpose, whatever you want to call it, even if you have no idea, you're not inspired at all and you're like, I don't know what to do. There are very specific tools and processes that you can go through to really uncover what your soul calling and life purpose is. It's more of a direction than anything. Uh, tools and strategies to really make grounds on bringing that into your reality and then the way to do it in a very powerful state of mind, uh, applying principles from Zen, flow state, peak performance, consciousness, law of attraction, all that kind of stuff demystified, nice and easy. And if you are a high performer already, you are an entrepreneur or a coach or somebody who really wants to learn about leveling up and uh, achieving your highest potential, all of this stuff works the exact same way. It's, it's just synergistic and you just need to get very clear on what your goals are, whether it's a front flip on a motorcycle, a double back flip on a snowboard, a, a business where you support your family that you're inspired to do. It is a synergy of principles working together that create fantastic results. So if you're interested in in that hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or matt at zenathlete.com so thank you guys thank you to my patrons thank you to everybody's support of the show i appreciate you i hope that you're doing amazing um the best way to support the show as always is one kind act i think i forgot to say that in the beginning um but do one kind act if not three kind acts is even better take the kindness challenge let me know um you know that you're doing it. it's three kind acts a day for a week so please if you want to support the show that's the best thing you can do so thank you so much for listening have an incredible day and uh, before we close it out let's just come to a state of peace and coherence using our breath so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath now just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment personal empowerment and ready to take on the rest of the day so thank you so much for listening and i will see you in the next episode